Well, good evening, and thanks for coming back for a second dose of this. And just to let you know, tomorrow night, all the little kids in here, something special for you tomorrow night. Mm -hmm. So you want to drag your parents here and make sure that they bring you so you can partake of that. All the little kids are going to get something. But before we do that, tonight we're going to be talking some more about dinosaurs in the Bible. And as what we saw last night, it does appear that there were dinosaurs that were mentioned in the Bible. Of course, the word dinosaur didn't exist until just about 150 years ago, 1841, when it was made up. It's a modern term. So what uh, in the Bible is referred to as a behemoth, or the other one is Leviathan, very well could be and probably are dinosaurs. We just don't know what else, because they don't fit, the descriptions don't fit anything else that's on the planet today that we can see. Like you go to the zoo, it doesn't fit. So today, what we're going to do uh, this evening, we're going to take a look at if that's really true. Now, I don't know if you caught this last night, but do you understand the implications of dinosaurs being mentioned like in the Bible, these, these creatures, this behemoth and Leviathan? Do you realize then that in Job seeing these things, Isaiah seeing these things, these creatures, dinosaurs and man lived at the same time? Did you catch that? Now, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Is there any evidence of that? Is there any evidence that dinosaur and man would have lived together at the same time? That is what we're going to talk about. And obviously, obviously, if we're going to be talking about it, that means there's got to be some evidence for it, wouldn't you say? Right. And so we're going to look at some of this stuff here tonight. There's our cute little dinos here and stuff like that. So let's open in prayer. We'll get started. Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful day you've given us. It's been a beautiful day. We thank you, Lord, for the health that you have given us. And though I know tonight there's a couple not feeling too good, we just pray, Lord, your healing touch upon them. Your desire is for us to be healthy, yet we live in a fallen world. We brought all this pain and suffering upon ourselves. But Lord, we just ask that you would just keep us, those who are healthy, keep us safe. Keep us healthy so we can enjoy the time that we're having here uh, with the fun times at Fort, but also being together with family. Family was very important to you, oh God. Uh, we see that. Jesus being born right into a family, being raised with a stepfather, Joseph, and his mother, and, and how important his family was. And so we know that that's important to you. So, Lord, as we open this up tonight, again, I ask that your Holy Spirit do the teaching. Open up our minds to be able to see things. And, Lord, help us to see the truth behind all this. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, science textbooks say all this is wrong, you know. I have here, for instance, a, a science textbook that I've actually taught out of back in my days when I was teaching. And this is, it says, biology. And in here, if you were to sit down and open up this book, there's a section in this book that talks about dinosaurs because biology, study of living things. Dinosaurs were at one time a living thing. Um, and in here, there's a chapter about dinosaurs and stuff. And they say in this book that dinosaurs stopped living 65 million years ago. That's, that's really a long time ago. Um, that's even older than Ron and Tom combined. And I had to pick on that one more time. But anyway, that's a long time. 65 million. I mean, you can't even grasp and get my mind around 65 million years. It's just, that's a huge number. But that's what it says in the science book. Now, you see, some people, and this really 
sort of just disturbs me also, that some people believe this more than they believe in the Bible. And I've actually come across people in, in the past, high school students in particular, who say, well, I don't want to believe in the Bible. I want to believe in truth, and science is truth. Well, I'll tell you, I have, in my 25 years of teaching, and I've taught quite a, out of quite a few different books and stuff, I've never come across a biology book ever that didn't have a mistake in it somewhere scientifically. Because the problem is science evolves so quickly that what they publish, they put these things out in print, they start putting them on a printing press, they're producing these. By the time the schools even get these books, even a brand new book, there's going to be errors in it because we've discovered new things. Science is not a god. Science is actually not truth, the, the absolute truth either. It's constantly evolving. It's constantly having to change. There are errors in these books that we know. We look at the stuff and they're like, well, that's not true anymore. We know that's not true because they found out that this is not true. And so we come across so many things like this. this if this is your God, you are serving a totally morph-changing morph idol is what you have because this thing's constantly having to change. The Bible is not like that. The Bible does not change. And God, being the author of it, if he said something is true in it, it's going to be true. So this says dinosaurs, like our T-Rex and stuff, became extinct 65 million years ago. Also, this same book has a chapter about early humans. I'm going to talk a little bit about that tomorrow night. These early humans, and that the first early human evolved around two and a half million years ago. Really? Two and a half million years. Now, do you understand the distance that this, this book is saying between when dinosaurs died off and when humans appeared? There's over 60 million years difference here of nothing in between. So that's what science says, that science uh, will tell us, and if you watch like these science programs on Saturday morning or the Discovery Channel, stuff like this, they will constantly tell you this stuff, but they're not telling you the truth. They're not telling you the truth. This is not truth. It's man's interpretation. These are people who have, in a lot of cases, not always, but in many cases, they have denounced the Bible. They don't want anything to do with the Bible. They're saying, this is what you need to believe in. I have a real problem with that, being a scientist, a former scientist myself. Um, I seriously have a problem with that. But let's take a look at this. I want to um, take a look at the evidence of what exists now, first of all, most of our ideas about dinosaurs, think about it, do not most of our ideas about dinosaurs comes from Hollywood and movies? And they're made into monsters, right? I mean, they're always scary things. I mean, oh, or I should do it this way. We don't even know what kind of sound they made. That's a guess. You know, they might have been totally silent. Many reptiles do not walk around talking to you and stuff like this, so, you know, they don't make a lot of noise. But that's what we often get. We get this idea of dinosaurs, like if some of you might remember, might remember the 1950 movies, The Thing That Ate New York or something like that, you know, the giant dinosaur comes up, or how about Godzilla, you know, and all these. We make them into monsters. Most dinosaurs, most people don't understand this, but most dinosaurs were not these huge things that we could barely fit in this room. Most of them were under three feet tall, the majority of dinosaurs. We don't like to study most of those because they're not as scary and big, so we like to get into the big things. But most of them were very, very small. 
And Hollywood has made them into monsters and stuff. But you know something? I could stand here and say that man and dinosaur coexisted. I mean, the Bible says that. And I could sit here and stand up here and tell you over and over and over that man and dinosaur live together. It means absolutely nothing unless I can show you evidence. And I'm going to show you evidence tonight in just the next few minutes. There's a lot. I can't show you everything, but I'm going to show you enough in the next, like, 20 minutes here to show you this is wrong. It's really easy to see. There's so many things that exist out there, and you won't find any of these in a biology textbook. But let me show you. Let's take a look at a couple of these things. Did you know that many famous people in history actually recorded events when they saw dinosaurs? And I'm not talking about behemoth. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, Leviathan. I'm talking about what we term dinosaurs that they actually described. Now, they didn't know what, because the, the, the name dinosaur hadn't been invented yet, but many people throughout history actually recorded, and they usually used the word dragons. And in some cases, they drew pictures. And what they drew pictures of are dinosaurs. It's true. Let me just show you a couple, just a couple here that we have time for. There was a Greek historian, probably the adults have all heard of this guy. You kids probably never heard of him, Herodotus. He was a very, very famous Greek historian. He wrote a lot of history, a lot of things that we study that he wrote down having to do with the Old Testament. I mean, he wrote a lot of things. And he wrote in one of his books, it was called The History of Herodotus, book two. He wrote about flying serpents in Arabia. That would be like Saudi Arabia. And he wrote about these flying serpents, and he describes them and what they were like and how soldiers were sometimes attacked by these things, and they had to shoot them to kill them and stuff like this. And he describes them as an animal sounding very much like this dinosaur creature, uh, Ramphorhynchus. And I got a little illustration here showing you what these things we believe from the fossil remains, what these things look like. They had a snake-like body, but they had bat-like wings. And he describes these things to a T. And the thing is, we have dinosaur uh, skeletons that look just like this. But the thing is, this was down in Arabia, even around in the Egypt area. He talked about soldiers being attacked by these. Now, this is a guy whose history we refer to a lot of times to look at the ancient times. This guy's not making up a story here. This isn't Greek mythology. He's recording history. Or here's another one. There's a guy, many adults will probably recognize this name, Pliny the Elder. Um, he lived at the same time the New Testament was being written, the same time period as Paul the Apostle and Peter and them. He lived at that time period, and he wrote about a fight that he actually witnessed, a fight between an elephant and what he called a dragon. And as he described the dragon, he's describing a dinosaur. Though they didn't use the word dinosaur yet. So they used dragon as the, the, the closest Latin thing to this. But he wrote about this, about a battle that he actually was an eyewitness to. Or here's another one. Apollonius of Tiana, he's a Greek traveler and a very famous philosopher of the ancient world. And he described an account where a, there were, when um, he was traveling in India that there were dragon hunts going on in India. And this is after the New Testament is written. This is about 220 A.D., but he describes what these dragons look like. And if you look at the description of what he's describing, they're dinosaurs, pretty good-sized dinosaurs. Walking around on four legs and things like this. I mean, with a long tail, these were dinosaurs. And he talks about these. Or 
Most people have heard of this, at least the game, Marco Polo. You ever play Marco Polo? Fun game, isn't it? Yeah, Marco Polo. Well, he was a real person. And Marco Polo, in 1271 A.D., he, as you know, the story, he goes to China, and when he went in China, he discovered a whole pile of things, and he brings back all this information, as he was like an explorer. And he wrote about dragons that were pulling carts in China, and also about dragon hunts, the same thing that the other guy just mentioned, dragon hunts going on in China. I, I actually have a quote of what he wrote. It says, they were huge serpents, 10 paces in length, and 10 spans in the girt of the body, and the forepart near the head, they had have two short legs, having three claws like those of a tiger, with eyes larger than a four-penny loaf and very glaring. The jaws are wide enough to swallow a man. Teeth are large and sharp, and their whole appearance is so formidable that neither man nor any kind of animal can approach them without terror. What is he describing? It's not a tiger. It's not a lion. Sounds like he's talking about a dinosaur. So there are more cases that you can come across like that. Um, here's one more that most people have never heard of him, but he's a very famous scientist, Ulysses Androvendus. He lived around 1500, so at the time of the, um, the Enlightenment is, is happening around this. And he was, writes about, now he's a scientist, and he's writing about one day as he's walking, he lived in Italy, and as he's walking uh, to, uh, down a farm road, he gets attacked by this strange creature. And he killed it with a stick, and then brought it back to his home, and he studied it and wrote about this. And you can pull up his readings and stuff today and, just, and read about how he encountered this and killed it. But what he is describing fits perfectly with our dinosaurs today, that it was a serpent with legs and everything like that. And unlike, he was so puzzled. He, he was really not sure what in the world this was, but he killed it and studied it. Sounds like he was talking about what we later on call dinosaurs. Or here's another fascinating one. Maybe you've heard of these, the Ica stones. Now, this, these are stones about the size of a large softball. They're made mostly of basalt uh, that has been polished, and you can see there's carvings on these things, these famous Ica stones. And I love this one here. Um, I'm showing an illustration. The one on the left, um, this is the whole movie of Land Before Time right on one rock. For instance, we have a long neck right here, okay? Here's a triceratops, you know, Sarah. Um, we have Petrie flying up here. Petrie, Petrie. Um, and you have the, you know, um, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, Spike Tail. Spike, he's over here. Stegosaurus is here. Then you have Sharp Tooth, Sharp Tooth, and he's eating a fish. Pretty good drawings, don't you think? And, and this one over here is puzzling too. It's like a triceratops, but this is a guy riding the back of it, smoking a pipe. <laughs> now, here's the thing what are Ica stones? Ica stones were something that the conquistadors, back in the 1500s when they came to the New World, went into tombs trying to steal gold. They looked all over for gold. And some of these, instead of finding gold, <laughs> they found chocolate. We talked about that earlier today. <laughs> Don't get me started. But they found some of these rocks that had these really weird images on them. These are Ica stones. It was found by a village named Ica in uh, Peru is where they came from. And there's a bunch of these that you can see. 
And the thing is, not all of these are authentic. I actually know a family that has been to Peru and has collected some of these. Theirs are fakes, I will tell you right now. They don't have probably authentic ones. There are many fake ones out there. Because there was a guy that found out, you know, I could make some money if I, who, who lived down in that area around Ica, and he collected black rocks, polished them, and then he sat with a tool, um, a little grinder thing, and he would draw pictures on these things, and then he passed them off to tourists and sold them. That's how he made money. He got caught, though, doing that. And um, the thing is, some scientists today, I had a discussion just this past, uh, early part of this past summer with a person who, a college student who said, well, Icostones, our professor talked about them, they're not real, they're not authentic. Because they, he cited this person who was making them and selling them to make profit. And he was trying to pass them, the guy was trying to pass some of them off as being authentic. Others, he was saying, oh, I made this one in my garage. But anyway, he got arrested and stuff like this, they're gonna put him in jail, and he says, no, I've, I've made a lot of these. That's true, that is true. There is a guy who made a bunch of these things and sold them. Um, matter of fact, a couple of years back, you could buy them on Amazon. You could buy copies of these things and stuff. But some of these, you'll notice that there's pictures of dinosaurs. Now, some of these are real. And we know they're real because of this. The first mentioning of the Ica stones comes from a missionary named Padre Simon who accompanied the conquistador Pizarro when he went to Peru looking for gold. And that was in 1525 A.D. And they found these stones, and he didn't know what in the world these things were. They sent, some, the conquistadors sent some of them back to Spain, which they are still in Spain today, in Madrid. Some of them are on, they used to be on display in a museum there, the original ones that were found. Now, the guy who was making them in his garage did not make the ones back in 1525. So, some are authentic. And every single one that they found had these pictures of dinosaurs. And there are all sorts of these things. Most that are out on the market today are copies. They are fakes. But that doesn't mean all of them were, because some are real. Even, as I did more studies on this, I came across a very famous chemist, F.G. Hawley, and um, a very famous biologist, Dr. Ryan Drum. He's from, was uh, at Madison for a long period of time. They studied the old ones, these older ones, not the, guy, not the ones made in the garage, he studied the old ones, and both these guys have concluded these things are authentic. They're real. But now we come to the problem with all of this. If they're real, how did they draw those pictures so perfectly? How could anybody do that unless they saw them? You had to be able to see these things, these creatures. So yes, there are some fakes out there, but that doesn't mean all of them were. The original ones definitely were not fakes. And they have perfect pictures of T-Rexes, Stegosauruses, T-Rexes, and, and um, all sorts of Triceratops, all sorts of dinosaurs. The thing is, how were these guys able to draw these things on a rock? Because in 1525, folks, dinosaurs hadn't been discovered by science yet. How did they draw them so perfectly? There's only one explanation. People had to see these things to draw them, which brings us into some more stuff with these fascinating things. As they were also pulling out uh, the tombs, there, uh, the conquistadors, they took out some burial tapestries they found in some of the tombs. Dinosaurs uh, embroidered all over these things. Pictures of dinosaurs. How could people embroider a dinosaur unless you saw one? 
It wasn't until 1841 that they came up with the word dinosaur to start explaining some of the skeletons that they were finding. So how are we talking hundreds of years before that that people are drawing these things so perfectly? The only way you could draw them is you had to be able to see them. Or how about petroglyphs, cave drawings, if you will. These are found on every single continent except Antarctica. And there's probably a good reason why there's not many there that they have found yet. But all the other continents, including the United States, uh, North America here, we have them here, they have them in South America, they're in Europe, they're in Asia, Australia, you got them all. And the thing is, there's cave drawings, old cave drawings, people say, well, those are caveman drawings. Well, <laughs> that means man was living at the same time, right? How could they draw these things unless they saw them? And you can look all over the place. This is a little drawing over here. I'm showing you a picture of a dinosaur. Here's a, uh, an enlargement of that. Here's an artist's conception. That's a dinosaur, folks. That's a dinosaur. Or how about this one? That's a brachiosaurus. That's a dinosaur. How did they draw that thing so perfectly? There's a close-up of it. That's a dinosaur. Or here's another one. You can see the top picture. It's a little hard to read, so the bottom picture is showing the outline. It's another long neck. How could they draw these if dinosaurs were extinct 68 million years ago, 65, 68 million years ago, and man didn't even begin to evolve until two and a half million years, how in the world can that happen? It doesn't make sense. Something's not right here with what they're trying to tell you time-wise. Something doesn't make any sense. And you can find these things all over. This is just north of here a little ways, over in Ontario, Canada. There's a beautiful picture of a dinosaur drawn on rocks there, and more than one. There's all sorts of these things. Or how about this? In ancient Sumatra, there are pieces of art, like I'm showing an illustration here. You can see four guys in the middle, four men in the middle. Those are warriors, and they're fighting these two large animals that are bigger than themselves, and this appears to be dinosaurs. They resemble a species of dinosaur. And, and this is from ancient, or I'm sorry, from, from Indonesia. And the thing is, somebody had to be able to see these things to draw them. Or look at this example. This one's phenomenal. This is a picture of a cylinder, a clay cylinder that man put together, some guy put together, on a clay cylinder dating back to 3,300 BC. That's before Abraham. Uh, or right around, the, actually, it's before, yeah, it's before Abraham. And you can see this time period here. Look at the artwork on the top here. What are they? Long Necks. How could they sculpt and draw these things so perfectly unless they were seeing them? Or how about this one? This is like a chia pet. <laughs> those of you who remember what those are, it's a clay model somebody made. But do you see what that is? Doesn't that resemble remarkably the stegosaurus I have here? It's got the, the scales up on the top, the big blades up here, it's got the spikes at the tail. This piece here dates back 1,000 B.C. It was found in Greece. 1,000 B.C., that's when David, King David, when he was a little boy. And it dates back. How did somebody make this so perfectly unless they could see it? Because these things hadn't been discovered yet. Or here's a very famous mosaic called the Mosaic of Palestrina. It, it's talking about uh, and it's depicting a picture in, uh, near the Nile River in Egypt, uh, and it shows Ethiopian warriors fighting a dinosaur. How could they do that? 
because dinosaurs hadn't been discovered yet. And besides, they're supposed to be extinct millions of years before this. How could they do that? If you go to Cambodia, there's a temple there called Tom Pram. And it was constructed 800 years ago, yet it is decorated with stegosauruses all over, carved into the thing. How could they, 800 years ago, so perfectly depict one of these when there's no museums around with dinosaur bones or any pictures like that? No one has ever made a book on dinosaurs because they hadn't been really discovered like that. How did they do that so perfectly unless they saw it? This is a tomb in Carlisle, England. Bishop Bell, he died about the time of Columbus, 1496, about the time Columbus was discovering the New World and stuff. And he's buried in this cathedral in the floor. That's how they used to do that. And there's bra uh, brass ba uh, bands around the tomb. But if you look, I got a close-up there on the right showing the brass band. And in that is a drawing of a dinosaur. And that's in England. That's just a little over 500 years ago. How'd they do that? Somebody had to see it. But are you really ready to have, have I knocked your socks off yet? Is anybody barefoot yet? Because I'm about to really shock you. This is, gonna, this is amazing. 2005. They were moving a T-Rex skeleton here in the United States. And they accidentally broke the femur bone. That would be the big bone that would be right in here. And they broke the femur bone by accident. But when it broke, instead of being a fossilized rock, when it broke, what was on the inside was soft tissue, blood cells, nerve cells. There's even, as they explored more of this, they even found nerve fibers and collagen and um, reticulate fibers inside of this thing. How can that, how can that, be 68 million years old. Forget the whole thing with Jurassic Park trying to find a, a blood cell out of a mosquito embedded in amber. Folks, we have T-Rex blood cells right there. How can that be 68 million years old? Nova did a special on it right after that. This was world news. This was on CNN, MSNBC, ABC. They, they all carried the story. And the thing is, Nova very quickly then, the science program Nova, which is not a biblical-based thing, and what they did is they spent a whole episode trying to explain how that is 68 million years old. At the end, and I've watched the thing three times, and after every single time when I watch it, they say the same thing at the end. This is their conclusion. We don't know how this happened. We don't know how these tissues are 68 million years old. We cannot figure out how these things survive 68 million years. And I'm sitting here shouting at the television at these guys, do you think you got the wrong date? They never heard me. <laughs> but really, are, are you kidding me? And this gets better. Here's, blood, here's a picture of blood cells inside of a T-Rex. These are the bones, and inside the bone you have blood vessels. Notice the red blood cells inside of there. You're going to tell me that's 68 million years old? I don't think so. In 2005, one of the people who made these discoveries, her name is Mary, Dr. Mary Schweitzer, paleontologist, associate professor, North Carolina State University. She was studying a duck-billed dinosaur, and as she was studying this, she found soft tissue. How do you have soft tissue if it's 68 million years? That was her question. She says, how can this be 68 million years old because it's got soft tissue? 
It's got nerve cells. There's elastin. There's collagen. There's hemoglobin. There's osteocytes, bone cells, individual cells. Look at the illustration you got. This is from her collection. Look at the illustration of the individual cells. Those are, those are cells. They're not fossilized. How is this 68 million years old? Something's not right. Something is not right. She has really been... Um, called a lot of names, and people have said a lot, of her, uh, a lot of bad things about her, actually. It's not her fault she's coming across things that show that science has been wrong, but that's what she's showing here. And as we finish here, um, I want to show you, this is a list of other soft tissues. This isn't just a one-time occurrence. There have been many other pieces of soft tissue found that's supposed to be from these fossilized dinosaurs that are 68 million years old. But I want to show you something. There's a very good uh, video um, that's just come out just recently, this year. It's called uh, Is Genesis History? It's on Netflix. You can watch it. Um, I have bought a, a copy of it. We're going to watch a five-minute segment of this thing. And it's about this soft tissue. And you're going to see scientists, that, uh, a scientist who's going to be describing this stuff. Del Tackett, if you've ever heard of the Truth Project, he's the guy in the Truth Project. He's the guy who's, in, who's studying all these things about science and trying to determine, is Genesis actually history? It's and I'll tell you, it, it is. There's the answer. You don't have to watch the video. Now, I just told you the answer. Um, Genesis is real. It's history. Um, it's not mythological. But I want to show you, um, we're going to see a little segment from this DVD. It's Kevin Anderson, who's a PhD. He's a microbiologist, and it's a subject I used to teach, microbiology. And he's going to show you some stuff that this is absolutely mind-boggling. So let's watch this, this video here. This goes on and on. And like I say, it's a great thing. If you've got some cash, you're burning a hole in your pocket this Christmas, you can go uh, and buy a copy of this thing. It's a phenomenal series showing any Dr. Del Tackett is interviewing scientists through this whole thing. But do you understand what this actually means? How can these things be that old? There's no way. There's no way a cell can survive like that. In that condition where they found these things, hot, cold, hot, cold, the cell tissue would break down into nothing. It'd go down to this molecular level. Yet you're finding cells that have survived. And the stretching, remember that stretching of the Really? Oh, that's 80 million years old. Really? You really believe that? I think the evidence is speaking to us very loudly. I think God is allowing us to see these things are not that old. And tomorrow, what we're going to do is we're going to look at some more on, particularly on this dating thing. How in the world do they come up with those kind of dates? And what is the evidence actually showing? But I hope I've shown you a knife that tonight that there's enough evidence that, and I, there's more I could show, but to show you the pieces that I chose to show you tonight to help you to see when the Bible says that God created man, an animal at the same time, and they coexisted together? Folks, that's what really happened. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you so much again for this time. And Lord, I just pray that your spirit just work upon our hearts. Help us, Lord, to see the truth. You are the God of truth. Help us to see, to understand the truth behind all of this. And as I know we do, as we unlock more and more of these doors going into what is truth, we will see so clearly more and more evidence that your word is true. Keep us safe this evening and keep us healthy, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.